The Truth News Network. When the leader of the free world is better at backing up than he is at looking forward. When the courts won't hear the truth. When a sitting congressperson openly calls for violence. Where do you turn for clarity? You turn to the truth. TNN. The Truth News Network. And Dan Newman. Yeah, we're right here. We're trying. We're doing our best to find some truth. Good morning, everybody. Did you make it through Christmas? Wow, can you believe 2021 is just about gone? Less than a week left, and we're going to do it together this week. How are you doing today? Let's don't blow this week off. Let's make it a good week. Find something. Find somebody that you can pour yourself into and give them a good ending on 2021 and maybe kickstart them towards a good 2022. It hurts. Almost hurts. Seriously. To think about 2022, <laughs> it's almost here, folks. It, it, in many ways, 2020 and 2021 just zoom by. Maybe it's because I'm getting old. I don't know. Maybe it was because of those lockdowns that we experienced last year and part of the previous year. It just seems like it, at some points, the calendar stands still, the clock doesn't move, the calendar page doesn't change, and it goes, oh, so slow, and then all of a sudden, bam, a month's gone, two months gone, the first quarter, second quarter, we're into fall in football, and now college football basically is over. Well, you still have the bowl games, Dan. I got to be honest with you. The bowl games are falling like flies. Did you hear what happened this morning? One team from Virginia canceled their flight to go to Boston today getting ready to play in that bowl game up there. (laughs) We've had another bowl where a substitute team was just picked at the last minute to play in a game because COVID-19 knocked the other team out. We've never seen anything like this. Never in our lives have we. And I think that's the part that makes most of us a little bit leery about what's going on around us every day. We're going to dig into all of that this morning. Yeah, while we were celebrating Christmas and Christmas Eve on Friday, the world keeps spinning. Things keep happening. They're not all good, but thankfully, they're not all bad. Let me just ask you a question. Have you read today's story at truthnewsnet.org? If you have not, I encourage you to do do so. Let Let me look real quick. Uh, about an hour ago, I was kind of shocked. I flipped over to see how many people had looked at it. And you got to keep in mind, our stories go live at 1.45 a.m. Central Time every day, the day they're being published. So there are a lot of people on the other side of the world that are getting a jump start on us. Um, but some days, some stories get really big viewership. I mean, people, they see the title, they see the context of what the story's about, And it resonates with them. I don't know about you, but I'm that way. Um, When I read a headline, that's why headlines are so important in news stories. When I see a headline that piques my interest, I'm going to be more prone to go pull up the story and look at the entire thing. If it's a ho-hum story title, it's kind of like, ah, I don't know about that. I don't know that it's worth the time, the effort, and the energy. About an hour ago, I looked for the first time today in over 
half a million had already looked in. Right now, as of this this moment, 642,000 people have read the story this morning. And it's a big one. It'll make you think. What's it about, Dan? (laughs) I could be ugly and tell you... If you want to know what it's about, go to the website, but I'll, I'll give you a hint. The title of it is Our COVID Experts Missed It and People Died. Now, this is a history lesson in this story today, and I think that's why it's resonating with so many people already. We hearken back to our other similar in nature pandemic of 100 years ago, 1918, the Spanish flu. And the amazing thing when I was doing research about this, looking back to see if there may have been a tie or two between that one and ours, our COVID-19 pandemic, guess what I've discovered? It's almost a carbon copy. If you take away the differences in the nation, you know, gadgets and transportation and all those kind of things, you could almost lay one pattern over the other and it'd be eerily similar to both. That's scary. I don't have an answer for it. I'm not going to talk about a conspiracy, but I'm going to tell you the Spanish flu was a whole lot like our COVID-19 pandemic. Interesting. Take a look at it. For those of you who are new to the show or you don't really know, those stories go live, as I said, 1.45 a.m. If you want to register If you want to subscribe, if you want to call it that, down at the right bottom of the homepage of our website, it just asks for your email address and your name. Now, the only reason we do that, we don't sell anything here. We don't send out any mass emails other than those that will include a link for you for each day's story that's published, story or stories. That way you can just click on the link and instead of having to go to the homepage of truthnewsnet.org and find a story, it pops up right at the story every day. That's all it's for. So if you want to, just go down and put in your name. We don't never check you out. I mean, if you want to call yourself Uncle Boo Boo, that's fine with me. But put in your email address and you'll start getting those stories. So what's happening since we got together last time on Friday? Well, more and more comes out about the poor job that has been and is being done by this White House regarding still COVID-19 stuff. What'd they mess up on now? Well, guess what happened or didn't happen back in October? The Biden White House turned down a proposal that would have added more than 730 million at-home COVID tests in the market Per month. Now, they were just lamenting last week. Oh, my God. In fact, Joe Biden said it in one press briefing, I guess. He just slipped and said this. Man, I wish I would have thought about ordering a bunch of tests sooner than we have now. Now, folks, if you're the president of the United States, first of all, you don't let yourself get caught in a conundrum like that. You do the ordering and the structuring and the planning to make sure that nothing like this happens, kind of like that supply chain issue. 
Remember when this all broke a month or two ago and we realized we really have some problems? And everybody, what do we do? We all look at the White House. That's where our leader is. He's the one, or she, if there ever is a, a, a female, and I, I don't even know if it's politically correct to me for me to say a female president. How about this? Somebody that's not a biological male. Can I get away with that? Should I say that? I, I have no idea. I got to be honest with you folks. I'm going to make a statement here. From this day forward, I'm going to forget about all of the shenanigans regarding surnames and the sex of a name or a term. I'm just going to call it like it is and like it always has been. We've got a male president. There's never been a female president. I'm confident we will have a female president. Whether or not it's male or female, when you're the president of the United States, you're supposed to find out the things that need to be done and make sure either you initiate them as president or that you have somebody in your administration that is going to manage every important part of the things, all the things that touch the nation's population's lives. you got to do that. They didn't react at all. When they discovered at the very beginning of it, they tell us now, oh, we knew before we even took office that there was a supply chain issue. And Jen Psaki, in the first time that came up in a press briefing, she said, oh, we've been working on it since even before President Biden was inaugurated. That's January 20th. Here we are now. We're at the end of December. This came to light about 60 days ago. They never have. She said, we were working on and developing a plan and we've got it in place and we've been working it. They won't tell us what the plan was and is. We still don't know. You know why? It's because they don't have one. They didn't make one. And when they're exposed, instead of saying, you know what, we boo-booed, but we're going to double and triple down on it now, Americans can excuse mistakes if they're honest mistakes. Yeah, that was a little bit too big to just call an accident, a mistake. It was sheer obfuscation of the things that a presidential administration is supposed to do. So they messed it up on the supply chain issue. It still hasn't been fixed. And Joe Biden himself said he wished he had ordered a bunch of tests for COVID months ago, and he didn't do it. A plan by top industry experts from Harvard's T.H. Chan School of Public Health, the COVID Collaborative, the Rockefeller Foundation, and other organizations, they reached out to the White House because they sought to ramp up manufacturing capabilities to prevent holiday COVID surge. That was first reported last week by Vanity Fair. But the White House rejected the October 22nd bid and three days later announced it would seek to bolster rapid home testing through the FDA's regulatory approval process. Uh Uh-huh. Let's put it in our bureaucratic cruddy operations out there. Instead of just doing the right thing and making a decision, let's run it through the FDA. One administration official present at that meeting in October 
told that uh, that media, that publication, Vanity Fair, that the decision was based on the fact that the U.S. did not have capacity to manufacture over-the-counter tests in those kind of numbers. The problem with bolstering at-home testing came down to the fact that the FDA had only approved a handful of testing kits and the ability to drastically increase the numbers manufactured was reported to be very limited. But the announcement by Uncle Joe earlier last week shows a change in the administration's priority as COVID cases are once again on the rise nationwide. Granted, they're the Omicron cases, but they're COVID and they're on the rise. Starting next month, starting next week, we're told, the White House will launch a website that will allow Americans to order free at-home testing kits. I don't doubt that they're going to try to put that together, but the Biden gang, at least the first go-around when Biden was working in D.C. at the top of the heap as vice president, remember that uh, Obamacare website that we paid $600 million for a Canadian company to develop? It took months before that website was operational. (laughs) I'm not real positive about the White House launching a website that's going to allow us to order those free at-home testing kits. This move by the White House is in response to already recent shortages in those at-home testing kits. Long lines if you want to go get tested during the holiday season when people were off work. I mean, we saw pictures of people in lines at these testing centers that would that would be half a mile long. I wish I'd thought about ordering a half billion test two months ago before COVID hit here. That was Biden. He actually said that last Wednesday. Comments made by Jen Psaki earlier this year suggest that the administration had prematurely dismissed the idea. Uh you think? Should we just send one to every American? She scoffed. Oh my gosh. I'm I'm the White House press secretary. I'm leaning over the podium in the press briefing room. How dare you think that we don't have our arms around every issue? Then what happens if you, she said, if every America has one test? How much does that cost? And then what happens after that, she added, let me think about that, Jen. I don't know, but I'm not the press secretary. I'm not in conversation with the president face-to-face every day like you are. Don't you think that should have been a topic, a big topic of discussion, especially since y'all been preaching this Omicron is coming, this variant is going to take over the world, and you said, parroting the president of the United States, that the unvaccinated are going to have death and destruction in the upcoming year. So I would think that it would be pretty important for you guys up there to plan ahead and to make sure that things are getting done. So, you ever wonder what the vice president does over the weekend? Everybody I know wonders about what the the vice president does during the week, day to day. Well, this weekend, she made some television appearances. And I'll bet you that the leadership in the Democrat Party 
wish she hadn't been out there. She did a a really in-depth interview on Face the Nation. CBS host Margaret Brennan yesterday had the VP on, and she, Kamala Harris, said America will lose its role model status if Congress fails to pass voting rights legislation. Hmm. So you know what this tells me, the fact that she would even bring that up. It's deflect. It's deflect away from the big, big 900-pound gorilla in the room. What's the 900-pound gorilla in the room? Build back better. And, of course, Joe Manchin, who's a Democrat, by the way, a senator from West Virginia, he's the one that essentially shot down their boondoggle build back better or build back stupid, whichever you want to call it. So they got to go find some other policy areas that they can try to use to make everybody look at this and don't look at the bad stuff. In the days and weeks ahead, she said, I will engage the American people and I will work with voting rights organizations. I'm standing at attention now. She's going to help with these community organizations in the private sector to help strengthen and uplift efforts on voting rights nationwide. And we will also work with members of Congress to help advance these bills. Hmm. Once again, she said, voting rights are under assault. Now, she never broke into the content, the substance, if there is any, of her allegations. She urged lawmakers to pass the For the People Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. So you want me to put the contents of that in a nutshell? It's real simple. Give all the voting management of everything, every election that has anything federal related to it. That would be president, vice president, members of the House of Representatives, which happens every two years. And of course, every four years, six years, you have senators, U.S. senators, She and all of those like her, they wear the Democrat tag. They want us to turn all of the elections over to the federal government. A little bitty problem with that, at least in my little beanie brain, is this. The Constitution, you know that United States Constitution thing? It expressly gives, in perpetuity, as a matter of fact, election controls exclusively to each one of the 50 states in our territories to manage every part of it. Well, if Congress passes it, that'll over overcome that little hiccup there, the Constitution thing, right? Nope. Our forefathers specifically said, if you want to change anything the Constitution has in it, what you've got to do is go directly to the people. It would take, and it will take, a constitutional amendment, if anything, anything towards moving the elections from the control of each state were to happen. Let's pray that it doesn't. I can't think of one thing, not a single thing, that the federal government does better than the states do. Maybe the U.S. Army, and I'm not so sure about that. In her latest comments on her voting rights mission, now, I thought she was charged by the president to fix all the crud going on down at our southern border, but now she said the voting rights thing is her mission. 
She warned us all that if Congress doesn't get it together on this bill, the country will be kicked down off its pedestal. We've been a role model, model, she said. You can see this and aspire to this and reject autocracies and autocratic leadership, she said in a pre-recorded interview with Brennan, which aired yesterday. Now, wait a minute. She says we need to reject autocracies and autocratic leadership. Do you know what an autocracy is? It's where a small group of people control the government. Well, I would say right now, Vice President Kamala Harris and others of her ilk in Washington, D.C., pretty much are operating our government as an autocracy. It's just my opinion. She continued, right now we're about to take ourselves off the map as a role model if we let people destroy one of the most important pillars of a democracy, which is free and fair elections. She added that while most Americans likely don't see voting rights as an urgent matter, the more the administration spotlights it, the more people will realize some are suppressing the right of the American people to vote, she predicted. Now, of course, that interview made some headlines yesterday. For instance, Harris fired back at Democrats who claim she's being set up to fail. No, I believe I'm being, I don't think I'm being set up to fail, she said. I'm the vice president of the United States. Anything that I handle is because it's a tough issue and it couldn't be handled at some other level. And there are a lot of big, tough issues that need to be addressed And it has actually been part of my lifelong career to deal with tough issues. And this is no different. That's her version of that. You want me to reinterpret what she meant when she said, I'm the vice president. Anything that I handle is because it's a tough issue and it couldn't be handled at some other level. Let me tell you how this went down. Chief of staff, Ron Klain, he calls the vice president and says, hey, can you come meet with us in the Oval Office? We've got a big job for you to do. And she runs across the street from her office and goes in the Oval Office, and Uncle Joe's not there. Jill came by and brought him his warm, sippy cup of milk, and he decided to go upstairs and take a nap early that day. But Ron Klain, he's got it all figured out. So he talked to the VP and he said, listen, we've got big, big problems that we think only you can handle. You've got to go out there and convince the American people to trust this administration, to trust this Democrat-controlled U.S. House of Representatives, this Democrat-controlled U.S. Senate. And we need you to make them understand that We're not going to be in power much longer. And before we lose that power, we've got to grab this election process. We've got to steal this from the Constitution in all 50 states. And we've got to wrestle it under and get it under control and take it over here in Washington, D.C. And convince them all that it's going to be fairer and it's going to be better if we do that. Hmm. And, of course, you just heard her. She's a parrot. She has no creative thought of her own. Didn't enter 
presidential campaign. I didn't know much about her when she was the Attorney General of California. I knew the sleazy side when she was up in San Francisco, and she was the uh, the the uh, uh, madam uh, sidekick uh, squeeze of Willie Brown, lifelong heavyweight Democrat, African American poli- uh, political wrangler in San Francisco. I really didn't know anything about her then until she ran for the U.S. Senate. But she is not full of um, the abilities to make good decisions. I'm just going to leave it right there. Brennan got her in the interview again on another thing. Um, Ask Brennan, or Brennan asked Vice President Harris, what do you think as you come to the end of this first year? What do you think your biggest failure is at this point? And she said, Harris said, to not get out of D.C. more. Well, I thought she was gone a lot. I mean, she went to California six times. Six times. And there may be more. That's six times that we tracked here. So you wonder how Harris responded? Well, of course, (laughs) she did her little laugh when Brennan asked the question. And Harris said, I mean, and I actually mean that sincerely for a number of reasons. You know, I, we, the president and I came in. You know, COVID had already started. It was the pandemic. It had started. And when we came in, we really couldn't travel. Harris also recently had a disastrous interview with Charlemagne the God. You heard a bit of that. That day she lost her temper after... Charlemagne suggested Biden was not the person in charge at the White House. Harris's off-putting personality during interviews she's granted during Biden's first term may account in part for her very, very low, historically low approval numbers. She's blamed race and gender for the negative media coverage, and it's not because of that. It's because she makes herself sound rather empty. You know what I'm talking about. High-profile members of her staff have also headed for the exits in recent weeks amid reports of a toxic work environment. So what's the 900-pound gorilla in everybody's room in the United States today? It's COVID-19. It's COVID-19. You remember back when the Democrats really got into their election season for the 2020 election? especially at the presidential level. You remember all those Democrats up on the stage and all the far-left medias, they just doted over every one of them. They were amazing. They were, any one of them would have been a super, super uh, improvement over Donald Trump. They hated Donald Trump. And in every debate, every speech, they just beat Donald Trump up and beat him up again and again. Vice President Harris was one of those, as was Joe Biden. And what was the the universal talking point that came out of all of that, especially when we started talking about and continued to discuss everything to do with COVID-19 and those mystical vaccines that were coming, and they were desperate to try like everything to keep it from happening while Trump was in the White House. And they all had some really uh, special feelings about a Trump-initiated vaccine and how they would look at it. Let's go down memory lane for a second. Here's a potpourri of a bunch of them. 
responding to that question. As you know, President Trump has promised a coronavirus vaccine by the end of the year or maybe sooner. Would you trust that vaccine? Uh, no, I would not trust his word. I would trust the word of public health experts and scientists, but not Donald Trump. First of all, I don't trust the president on vaccines. I think it's going to be a very skeptical American public about taking the vaccine, and they should be. He will push anything to get reelected. Don't fall for it. And by the way, I will take the vaccine after Ivanka takes it. You would be hesitant to receive the vaccine if it were approved by the end of the year. I'm going to. Yes, I would be hesitant. I mean, if doctors and scientists like Dr. Fauci are taking that vaccine, of course, I will take the vaccine. But we also know that we can't trust the president uh, and take his word. I trust vaccines. I trust scientists. But I don't trust Donald Trump. And at this moment, the American people can't either. I believe all across the country, you're going to need someone other than this FDA and this CDC saying it's safe. Every one of them Democrats, president, vice president. You heard the former governor of New York in there, uh, Cuomo. You heard him weigh in. You heard Ilhan Omar and even what's her name? Joy from The View. They all look at Donald. They despised him. Now they just simply hate him. And they can't stand to even think about. He was the guy on his watch that he pushed. He funded, he, I mean, he hammered hard like, oh, a CEO of a major corporation does every day. And he got it done. Even Fauci, who they said, we trust Dr. Fauci. We trust everything the medical experts tell us. This is a year ago you heard all that stuff. I wonder if they'd go back and interview the same people and ask them the same question. I wonder what the answers would be. I can bet you it wouldn't be a simple, ah, we don't, we can't believe anything that Donald Trump says or did specifically about the vaccines. Cause folks, it all happened on his watch. He's the one that put the deal together. And of course they can't stand the fact <laughs> that it happened before they got in office because they're the enlightened ones. And that's what every elite thinks. It's sad, but that's the way it all begins and ends right there. If you don't agree with me, if we're not in lockstep, and by the way, I'm the one determining the steps, you're not worth trusting. You're worthless. You can't do anything positive for anybody else. And we're never going to believe anything you say. The irony in all that is, I my default position when I listen to anybody in this administration give a speech or answer questions, my default position is I don't believe them, period. Isn't that sad that any American would feel that way about the president of the United States, any president of the United States? But I look at both the president and the vice president as little more than empty suits. That's sad, but it's true, folks. Ready, set. ABC Tonight, it's all about big cash. Here we go. And big crash. <laughs> On the new season of Celebrity Wheel of Fortune, one star will spin it. Give me the money. To win it 
all. The big winner, $1 million. Then host Leslie Jones is off to the races on Supermarket Sweep. On your carts, get set, yeah. And we're going to need a cleanup on every aisle. You are on fire! It all starts tonight, 8, 7 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Experience wow customer service at TennisExpress.com. 24-7 phone support and live chat. Product reviews on the latest gear and discounts for your team. Secure payment options with PayPal, Amazon, and more. Exclusive products including limited edition tees. Rackets strung by master racket technicians on state-of-the-art machines. Plus, free shipping on orders over $25. Shop TennisExpress.com today. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a flying date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. Little Caesars Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring $6.49 in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesars. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesars Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just $6.49. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. The Truth and Dan Newman goes together like beans and rice, brats and kraut, you and the future. TNN, The Truth News Network. You know, I had a thought during the weekend. Um, I got to be honest with you folks. I've never eaten as good as we ate during this holiday weekend. Our son, who's the chef in Dallas, he brought over some of the most amazing Wagyu beef that I have ever seen in my life. I even had some more of it that was left over last night. It's incredible. And it wasn't just Wagyu beef. My wife is an amazing cook herself. And she cooked homemade cinnamon rolls, homemade bread. Our family was together over at our youngest daughter's home. And we had um, my wife's mother and younger sister were there with us. Her mother's 96 years old and still going strong. Um, Caleb, our son, he had his in-laws over. We just had a great time. And we did, on Christmas Day, a shrimp boil. Now, wait a minute. You're supposed to do turkey on Christmas Day. No, that's Thanksgiving Day. I don't know where he got them, but he got these massive shrimp and did a shrimp boil. And this is Louisiana. We can cook seafood. I mean, when it comes to crawfish and shrimp, we got it going on, but he perfected it. It was incredible. We had great desserts. Our oldest uh, daughter is a vegan. Digestive problems for years and years and years that fixed when she became a vegan. And they even had vegan crab cakes. So all of that rolled in. We had a great weekend family and everything and then we went to church yesterday and had one phenomenal service it's just unbelievable how blessed we are what we're going to do as this week goes on i'm not sure exactly when but we're going to put together 
I don't know if it'll be a story uh, that will be published at Truth News Network or if we'll just do it in piecemeal during the show this week. But we're going to look at some of the best things that happened to us over the last year. And at the same time, I'm going to tackle a really difficult job. I know it's going to be tough. I'm going to try to compile a list that includes everything good that has happened in the Biden administration. And it may be a short list. (laughs) In fact, if it's not a short list, I'll be shocked. But it's going to be objective based upon evidence and facts. It's not going to be simply opinion. That's a novel idea because... Pretty much in every one of the four years of Donald Trump's administration, everybody on the left and in mainstream media, they every day would rate him, would judge him and talk about his accomplishments. They they gave him credit for doing nothing. And folks, his accomplishments in his first hundred days would run circles around Biden's first year. There's no comparison whatsoever. And I'm going to say something that Many, I, I, I don't hear this being said much, but I'm thankful that we had Donald Trump for four years. Not because of his brash and caustic personality and his way of uh, communicating. I didn't like that. And I got, from the very front end, I really got kind of mad about it. You know, I remember election life uh, night in 2016 when We stayed up and could not believe in the late hours of that evening that Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton. It was a a state of ecstasy. We were going to have a true conservative in the White House for four years, and we did. But I remember when things began to happen, his inauguration. And of course, folks, he went into the White House with all kinds of chits stacked against him. Because Washington, D.C. despised him, and not just Democrats. The rhinos, Republicans in name only. They did then, and they still do to this day. They're petrified, horrified that Donald Trump will come back from Florida to Washington, D.C., and they want to do everything they can to kill that, to not let it happen. But he did some really great things. It was easy, and we did several times during his campaign. In fact, we compiled pages of his achievements on the part of the American people. But in spite of your opinion of this administration, this president, and the opinion you held when Donald Trump was in office, in spite of that, they were the leaders of the number one nation in world history. And my Bible teaches me to pray for those in authority over me And even if you didn't like Donald Trump, even if you don't like Joe Biden, we should be praying for them on a daily basis. I use this example, but I may, and I know some pilots. Uh, It's it's interesting. We went to college with a guy named Johnny Angel. And uh, he was actually a cheerleader at Louisiana Tech. And Johnny Angel aspired to be A pilot. He was in Louisiana Tech, has an amazing aviation program, and he did just that. And he flew for years as a captain for Delta. And I'll never forget it. One time, I hadn't seen him or talked to him in years. I got on a flight headed to D.C., as a matter of fact. It was a connecting flight from Shreveport. 
and uh, the leg out of Dallas-Fort Worth to Washington, D.C., you know, they come on and they announce the names of who the flight crew people are, and it was Captain Johnny Angel. That made me button-busting proud. Johnny Angel, he was kind of a doofus in college. (laughs) He was a good tumbler in cheerleading, but here he was flying that plane. And I didn't really know Johnny that well. You know how it is in college. If you're a cheerleader, if you're on the dance team, everybody knows who you are. But it's one thing to know who somebody is and to know something. Knowing them, knowing them is a whole lot different from knowing who they are. But I said all that to say this. If you know somebody, like I knew Johnny Angel, but somebody that you dislike, and I I, I certainly didn't and don't dislike Johnny Angel, but he's flying the plane. He's at the head, he's at the front left seat of the plane that you're on, and you're flying at 600 miles an hour. You know, there's a conundrum about that that I just can't get through. Do you know what happens when you're going 600 miles an hour and you crash? No, you don't. I don't either. But here's what I do know. You know that chair back on the seat in front of you and on your seat? I can promise you this, and this is not about physics. This is just about basic common sense. That three-inch movement front to back when you're about ready to land or if you get into some bad turbulence and they say put your chairs and tables in the locked and up front position maybe three inches maybe four maybe even no it's three or four inches i promise you if that plane goes down that three inches isn't going to save our lives I just thought I'd throw that in. That that bugs me every time they do that to me. It's like, come on now. Maybe the table, you know, the fold-down table on the back of the seat. I see that. I get that. You know, if I hit that seat at 600 miles an hour and that table's sticking out, it might cut me in half. The odds are, though, even if it cut me in half, I wouldn't know it. <laughs> but, hey, whoever's front left seat, You want them to be very successful. It doesn't matter what you think about them on a personal level. You want the captain of the ship to succeed. I want Joe Biden to succeed. Why? Because he's the captain of the ship. And I want the ship America. I want it to be very, very successful. Now, then when we get down into the weeds and we start talking about specifics that this president is pushing, that's a different story. I want his consensus at the end of his four years, if he makes it four years, I want the consensus to be the nation's in a better place than it was four years previously. But I got to be totally honest with you. The man has made some bonehead moves and is continuing to do so. Let me tell you something that's been bubbling under the uh, the conscious level for most of us that's really important. A bunch of these environmental groups out there and the advocates who are spending billions of dollars every year and they're playing politics with our energy. 
At the same time, they're driving up energy costs for us. Now, this is not my opinion. This is according to Ken Braun, the senior investigative researcher at the Capitol Research Center. President Biden issued a series of executive orders since he's taken office, over 100 now, in an effort to tackle what they call the climate crisis. And to do that, they say we've got to slash greenhouse gas emissions by more than 50% by 2030. And by 2050, hey, 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 carbon neutral. That's where we're headed. Biden says his whole-of-government approach to climate change, and this is a quote, creates well-paying jobs, grows industries, and makes the country more economically competitive. That sounds good. But folks, it's little more than a good talking point. Many have championed the president's ambitions and his big push toward green energy. He also faces criticism from those working in the oil and gas industry, among others. In an interview on a TV show, Braun said that numerous companies, including the Natural Resources Defense Council, Sierra Club, League of Conservation Voters, Friends of the Earth, Greenpeace, and more, are pumping a combined billion dollars a year into promoting so-called green energy in line, directly in line with the president's push and move away from nuclear and carbon energy. However, these companies are failing to recognize those renewable energies, which are weather dependent, are not always reliable and can also be costly. Most of the environmental movement, upwards of more than a thousand organizations, are spending over a billion dollars a year pretending to be environmental stewards who oppose nuclear energy and promote those wind and solar fantasies that are land hogs and really destructive to our environment. And they're doing that in order to create energy that really isn't going to get the job done. Folks, there's no way you can add it up and come up with a different number. We don't have the non-carbon energy resources to do away with carbon energy. We've got to have it. You intuitively know that these things don't work when the sun's not shining, which happens in most places between 8 and 14 hours a day. The wind's not blowing. We don't really have the battery storage to hold this power. So if you're really concerned about reducing our carbon footprint, nuclear energy is the only way you're going to accomplish it in a reliable, non-weather reliant way. Do you know there hasn't been a nuclear power plant built in the United States in decades? But you know where they're going up in abundance? All across Europe, all across Asia, and India, even in the UK. Why are they doing it? Because it's energy clean. It's total clean energy, and it's cost-effective. Braun noted that these environmental companies are greatly exaggerating the risks that are associated with the use of nuclear energy, and that they fail to talk about the risks that come from using renewable energy sources. 
He said, studies have shown that nuclear energy, listen to this, is 351 times safer per megawatt hour created than coal, 263 times safer than oil, 40 times safer than natural gas, which he said means it is basically right down there with wind and solar as far as its risk to people. There are some real risks in the wind turbines and solar panels that we don't talk about. What are they? Well, predatory birds that just get chewed up by those windmills. And the industry has pretty much declared in it a trade secret. We can't know how many of these things we're killing. One bald eagle's life is not worth an entire wind farm for what the wind farm gives us versus how just glorious those birds are and should be protected. But that's the kind of environmentalist most Americans are. All of these organizations, and some of a couple of those that have been mentioned here, have 100 plus million dollar budgets. Most of the big ones you hear about are pretending to be environmentalists and hypocritically arguing against nuclear energy. But they're driving up our energy costs on the rest of us by doing that. And so they are distorting the market and they're not even accomplishing their goals. That's major. That's a billion dollars distorting our energy choices, just making our problems worse, not doing anything to reduce carbon emissions, which is what all this billion dollars is supposed to be spent for. You know what the biggest renewable energy debacle that's just being revealed now You know, those wind turbines, it depends on the part of the nation where you live. Let me me give you an example. A couple of years ago, I was going to a men's conference in New Mexico. So I decided to ride my Harley, took out across from Shreveport on Interstate 20 through Dallas and around to uh, the interstate exit for uh, Abilene, Abilene, Texas, headed up northwest. When I made that turn off the interstate, I went like 30 miles, and on both sides of that four-lane highway, as far as you could see, was nonstop wind farms where they had dozens and dozens and hundreds of these monstrous wind turbines going. And on a motorcycle, you hear things that you don't hear when you're riding in a car. You should have heard the noise those things made. But let me tell you what the ecological conundrum is with these wind farms. Those big turbine blades, that they're massive. You see these trucks every once in a while carrying some of the wind turbines, how long those trucks are, and they have special uh, escorts in front and back whenever they move them. Those things only last about 10 years. There's no way to recycle them. There is no way to recycle the material they're made from. There's no way to dispose of them, which means environmental issues. And all they've been doing with them is very quietly and secretly burying them, and the materials they're made from are polluting the ground, which means groundwater. Think about that. They're not environmentally safe. They're not at all. But these people don't want to talk about that. It's time that we really begin to look at the reality of all of this climate change 
And I know we've talked about it for decades. Back when I was a teenager, they were actually uh, forecasting an ice age. We were going to have a new ice age. I'm serious. And then the turn of the decade there, and bam, all of a sudden, we're not talking about an ice age. We're talking about global warming. There were actually predictions that said right around the turn of this century, we were going to burn up. Global warming, nothing would grow. We wouldn't even be able to go outside. Nothing happened. So what did they do? We got to we gotta find the way to change the narrative. We can't call it global warming. What can we call it? Well, climate changes all the time, so why don't we just grab that term and make it ours? Climate change. And so what happens with that, it doesn't matter what the climate does, we can always say, well, look, that flood happened because of climate change. Uh, that glacier that fell down on top of that city up in Alaska, that's because of climate change. It's a catch-all that sounds easier to sell, and they never have to sit down and shut up for missing a prophecy. Of course, if you're Al Gore and you miss prophecies, prophetic words giving dates for the death and destruction that was going to happen and when it didn't happen, Al Gore doesn't even have the common decency to sit down and shut up. He keeps talking, saying the same things. It's not an easy fix, but let me tell you what needs to be and must be kept in the equation. Clean carbon energy. Clean coal. Clean oil. And natural gas. By the way, if it's been so bad, why are we on the whole planet, the United States of America, reduced over the last 25 years, its carbon footprint and its greenhouse gas emissions more than any other country on the planet. Most other countries, theirs has gone up exponentially, including China and India, two of the biggest populated countries on the planet, and they give no regard to the environment and what they are doing to not only their environment, to the environment of every other planet's Uh, countries. That's just the way it is. Jim Jordan had a big weekend, folks. And in this retrospective time of the year where we look back at our achievements, we look at our mistakes, he weighed in yesterday on Sunday Morning Futures on Fox News Channel. And he weighed in (laughs) about President Biden and how his... uh, Not quite yet a year, but the bigger part of the first year of his administration went. Jim Jordan, what he had to say is up next. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. Shop at H&M. Be stylish. Be trendy. With women's clothes and accessories at the best quality and the best prices since 1947. Come to H&M and shop for women's clothing and accessories inspired by the latest fashion trends. Here at H&M, the master of cheap fashion, clothes cost the average price of $21.40. Wow, that's so cheap and affordable. I know, right? H&M offers fashion and quality clothing at an affordable price. So, what are you waiting for? Come shop at H&M today! Hashtag Hot and Modern. 
the I'm crazy hungry, so she's got to be too. Slide through the Mickey D's drive-thru to get a Big Mac. Right after I order her quarter pounder with cheese, because I don't know everything, but I do know what my girl's feeling hangry meal. Get it at McDonald's when you buy one of your faves, like the Big Mac, quarter pounded with cheese, 10-piece chicken McNuggets, or filet of fish, and get another for just a dollar. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid on item of equal or lesser value. New home ownership can be a real eye-opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates. Now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. Well, this is the time of year to when we sit down and we do some retrospection where we look back at our past year and see how we did and where we stand now as compared to a year ago. Government, I mean, it's a little more difficult. There are so many moving parts in our government. But Jim Jordan, Republican congressman from Ohio, he is um, he's prone to giving everybody what his thoughts on pretty much everything in politics. So yesterday, he uh, he got after Joe Biden. He criticized Uncle Joe, saying that Biden has given Americans record crime and inflation, adding that everything handled by the Biden administration, everything he said has been screwed up. Elizabeth Warren seems to be hinting at price controls, And we know what that will do. That'll only exacerbate the problems we see out there. So in simple words, this is again Jim Jordan speaking. I think the American people would like safe streets. They'd like affordable gas. And they'd like freedom. Instead, what Biden's giving them is record crime, record inflation, and Dr. Fauci. So this administration, as we've talked before, has done everything wrong. You picked the policy area. They've done it wrong, Jordan said. We went from literally 11 months safe streets to record crime. We went from a secure border to complete chaos. We went from stable prices to now record inflation. We went from strength and projecting strength around the world to the debacle that was the exit in Afghanistan. So you name the policy. They've screwed it up. I'm afraid, this is Ryan speaking, Jim Jordan speaking, I'm afraid based on what I heard from Senator Warren this week, they may even go the wrong direction with the economy. But let's hope not. Let's hope that Joe Manchin stays firm and this crazy Build Back Better so-called Build Back Better bill never passes. I don't see I don't I don't see a thing in that that I can disagree with. I mean, I too. We here at Truth News Network, what we've written and what we've said on the show and it's always with documented evidence, facts, figures, numbers that we can easily back up and every other American can do the same thing. There just aren't a lot of positives in Joe Biden's mirror. In fact, I don't think uh, he can even see out of that rearview mirror because it's all fogged up. 
there's a bunch of junk in the street laying behind him. And just when you think this COVID-19 madness has stopped, a commentator, a religious commentator on CNN, guess what they had to say, CNN, it won't surprise you, they advise unvaccinated Americans don't go to church. I think that what we're trying to say to people is that you have a social responsibility if you do gather. You know, Christian churches, many are gathering this evening. This was Christmas Eve. And some are still not requiring vaccination, which I disagree with. That's a man of the cloth, Father Edward Beck. I think part of caring for one another, the dictum of Jesus, who we celebrate his birthday, is love one another, show compassion, show mercy to each other. So I think the lesson is that if we want to act like Jesus in these kinds of times, we take care of each other. And if we're going to gather in celebration, we have to do so safely, comfortably, and we have to give to one another that gift of peace, and part of that is health and feeling like we're gathering in a healthy environment. I don't think there's a reason to say I'm not going to get vaccinated, maybe for a health reason, Then you can't come to church, he said. So ahead of some swift criticism, he proudly defended his comments on Twitter with a clearer statement on where he stands on unvaxxed churchgoers. Yep, I said it, he tweeted. I don't think unvaccinated people should be gathering in churches for Christmas Eve day masses. Critics, many of whom were Catholic, by the way, called Beck a heretic and accused him of misreading and misleading on the tenets of the faith. This is insane. This is Abigail Marone, press secretary for Senator Josh Hawley, simply said. The opposite of Christ-like, John Cooper, director for media and public relations at the Heritage Foundation. Dr. Anthony Fauci faced the wrath of a bunch of frustrated Americans, too, after recently telling many of them to scrap their holiday plans this year, first suggesting families should enforce vaccine mandates on their own. That's the reason why people should, if they invite people over to their home, essentially ask and maybe require that people show evidence that they're vaccinated or give their honest and good faith word that they have been vaccinated. That's Fauci. Over the weekend, he told Americans to rethink their family reunions by not inviting any unvaccinated relatives. Then then it would become something other than a family reunion. We could call them partial family reunions. If someone in your family is unvaxxed, he said, should you ask them not to show up? Now that was asked of Fauci by... MSNBC reporter Alicia Menendez. Yes, I would do that, he answered. I think we're dealing with a serious enough situation right now that if there's an unvaxxed person, I would say, hey, I'm very sorry, but no, 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 not this time. Maybe another time when this is all over or you get vaxxed. The Biden White House, of course, they have their own message for the unvaccinated Americans. They gave it to us last week with their doomsday warning that they could face a winter of death. We are intent on not letting Obercron disrupt work and school for the vaccinated. You've done the right thing, and we will get through this. That's 
White House COVID response coordinated Jeff Zintz. For the unvaccinated, you're looking at a winner of severe illness and death for yourselves, your families, and the hospitals. You may soon overwhelm. What a great positive way to begin this new year, thinking about what this White House says. If you're one of the probably 60, 70, 80 million Americans who have chosen not to be vaccinated, you're the scum of the earth. And folks don't think that's not how they feel about you if you have chosen to remain unvaccinated. They do. They feel that way. I guess maybe the, um, the perfect example of the elitist attitude, it came front and center over the weekend. Do you remember who Nicole Hannah-Jones is? She's the New York Times editor that penned that 1619 Project. She's a professor. 1619 Project, that's where she completely rewrote American history from a purely partisan and unrealistic and untruthful leftist perspective and repainted the way that the facts and historical events happened in the founding and the first century of this nation. She was on Meet the Press. Here's what she said. I don't really understand this idea that parents should decide what's being taught their children. I'm not a professional educator. I don't have a degree in social studies or science. We send our kids to school because we want them to be taught by people who have expertise in the subject area. That's not my job. So she was talking about former Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe. She said this, when the governor or the candidate said he didn't think parents should be deciding what's being taught in school, he was panned for saying that. But that's just the fact. This is why we send our kids to school and don't homeschool, because these are the professional educators who have the expertise to teach social studies, to teach history, to teach science, to teach literature. I think we should leave that to the educators. Yes, we should have some say, but school is not about simply confirming our worldview. Schools should teach us to question. They should teach us how to think, not what to think. I think the irony of ironies was that last two sentence she said. Yes, we should have some say, but school is not about simply confirming our worldview. Schools should teach us to question. They should teach us how to think by not what to think. At the same time, she is the person who considers herself to be a historical American history historical pundit that knows about it all and gave us the truth in her 1619 project. Those people on the far left, they literally don't believe what she said we need to believe and do. Quote, teachers should teach us how to think, not what to think. In the 1619 project, it jumped right into the critical race theory curriculum. And that was the 900-pound gorilla in the room in this conversation on Meet the Press talking about how many American parents have just lashed out 
against the teaching of critical race theory in schools that follow her story, if you want to call it a book, a story, a theory, whatever the 1619 Project is. If you follow that line of reasoning, what she's saying is no parent should even have to consider her thoughts because we should be teaching kids how to think, not what to think. And that's exactly what she's trying to do, is force teaching kids exactly what to think. Let me ask you a question. Did you hear anything about stuff going on at the southern border over Christmas? I bet you didn't. It may come as, and certainly probably will come as no surprise to you, that there was a bunch of stuff going on, and they actually ramped it up, they being the cartel smugglers, over the weekend. They continued their work on Christmas Eve, and they moved more than 200 illegals across the Rio Grande and the Border Patrol's busiest sector on Christmas Eve. As many celebrated the holiday on both sides of the border, the smugglers and Border Patrol agents engaged in what has become routine business now down there. Residents attended Mass on Friday, New Year's Eve. Smugglers in Roma, Texas, were busy farrowing migrants across the Rio Grande in large group consisting of family units, unaccompanied migrant children, and single adults. Back across the river in Mexico, in Miguel Alamon, residents celebrated the holiday by lighting fireworks as church bells rang out. On a loudspeaker outside a Catholic church in the heart of downtown Roma, broadcast its celebratory mass into the streets and hymns could be heard for blocks. The city square, which is used usually as a rally point for migrants who surrender by the hundreds nightly, Nobody was doing that. There was no usual activity going on there. So Christmas Eve, smugglers chose to move these migrants to the north end of town, right next to a residential neighborhood. Using inflatable rafts, the smugglers moved the migrants across the river as fireworks lit the night on both sides of the border. The immigrants, mostly Central American, by the way, walked through the brush and into a neighborhood in Roma, they were waiting to be picked up for their transport. Border Patrol agents, well, they sorted the groups by single adults, family units, unaccompanied migrant kids. As several Border Patrol agents retrieved the basic biographical information from the migrants, others conducted pat-down searches for weapons and contraband. Other agents inventoried and bagged migrant property in what appeared to be a smooth, well-developed process. Forty miles away, Border Patrol agents in La Jolla carried out the same process. One reporter witnessed a large group march along a border road escorted by a, a Texas Department of Public Safety Highway Patrol trooper. The mostly Central American migrants, nearly 30 in total in that group, walked from the river bottom to a city baseball park where Border Patrol agents waited. With the same precision, a Border Patrol agent prepared the group for transport after determining the demographic 
composition of the migrants. Agents inventoried and tagged their property while they were waiting for the transport buses. How about that? Just neat. Organized, structured. Along Texas Highway 83, I know right where it is. It moves through multiple border border cities in the Rio Grande Valley. Border Patrol agents moved into ranches and communities in search of these migrants who are not voluntarily surrendering. It was observed the agents cordoning off neighborhoods and small ranches attempting to track migrants who were attempting to elude apprehension. The migrants that were caught on this Christmas Eve will be taken to a soft-sided processing center nearby. Once processed, many of the family unit migrants will tender-age children will ultimately be released into the country. Border Patrol agents in the Rio Grande Valley sector arrested more than 549 migrants in fiscal year 2021. That's in that one section of the border, 549,000. More than a quarter of a million of those were classified as family unit members. It's not getting any better. Just because the media decided not to even talk about it, it's not getting any better. In fact, the far left in Congress, they want it to get worse. Worse, in their opinion, would be good. Why would it be good? Because they're screaming and hollering and begging and pleading for open borders. And there are some other people that are in all this with the far left Democrats in government. Business allies are trying to revive the huge immigration giveaways that are plugged into Biden's Build Back Better spending plan. Of course, Joe Manchin has been the hero for every conservative in the nation and many Democrats. He has repeatedly stated he will not support the spending plan because it's going to increase inflation. But Democrat lawmakers, a bunch of lobbyist experts at think tanks, believe Manchin just might be won over if the bill is revised to include fewer programs for a longer period of time. That's being reported this morning by Hill.com. And the story continued. It says this, that is the way forward here. Now, this is Ben Ritz, who's the director of the Center for Funding America's Future at the Progressive Policy Institute, who has advocated for a bill with fewer immigration items. Most of the party is starting to come around to that. The Democrats' left-wing group, the Congressional Progressive Caucus, also wants to overcome Manchin's opposition. They're calling on the president and all Democrats who believe in the need to build back better for climate, care for kids, immigrants, and those seeking economic dignity and opportunity to come together. That caucus put this out over the weekend. Progressives want the revived bill to include all the immigration giveaways in the Build Back Better draft bill. Manchin, by the way, hasn't announced any opposition to the immigration giveaways in the bill, which is interesting. What do they include? You're going to love this. Total amnesty for six and a half million, as well as new rules to help the Fortune 500 companies hire an uncapped number of foreign graduates instead of who? American graduates. 
and a dramatic acceleration of chain migration into the U.S., which means if you come in here and you're given a green card and allowed to stay, you can reach out, and just because you're here legally, you can bring in all your relatives with no strings attached. Chain migration. They don't care about the damage, the impact on Americans' wages, families' finances, and housing prices. The changes, if any of those are implemented, would have a huge impact on our pocketbooks, but would cost the federal government a small share of the spending plan. Democrats are facing a problem. The Senate's parliamentarian has repeatedly excluded their amnesty plans for those 6.5 million illegals from this spending bill, some Democrats don't want to pass the Fortune 500 giveaway without also passing the amnesty plan. The approved media outlets have stayed silent about the plan to accelerate chain migration, even though it would deliver millions of new voters to Democrats while also providing millions of extra workers and consumers, by the way, and renters to the Democrats' business allies. It's all about big money, folks. It's about big money and one other thing, a way to create a permanent, bigger Democrat party that could control the Constitution of the United States Congress in perpetuity, giving the Democrat Party total control. Can you imagine, can you even fathom what our world would look like, what our country would look like if that were to happen? If that were to happen, oh my gosh, I just can't fathom it. So they keep bringing up this Build Back Better deal. And even though Manchin dead set, he said, I'm out. I'm not going to vote for it. They're trying to revive it. Do you think it's still alive? And if it is, what might it look like? We're talking about Joe Manchin. We're talking about Congresswoman Jayapal and that op-ed in the Washington Post. Your reaction? Well, sure. Uh, it's good to be with you, Cheryl. Uh, Joe Manchin should get thank you notes uh, from folks all across the country for him putting his foot down and saying no. But I don't believe this battle's over because uh, the progressive left wants the priorities in this bill. They want bigger government. They want to tax small businesses. They want these social spending bills. So I don't think they're going to give up in any way, shape, or form. But when people studied what the House bill had in it, they rejected it. When they looked at the price tag, Nancy Pelosi said it was paid for. It would cost zero. It cost $5 trillion and add $3 trillion to the national debt. So there's a credibility problem and there's a policy problem. And we all are grateful for Joe Manchin standing up in the Senate. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, did he just say four Democrats re-election? That's a possibility. That's what the... Uh, Kevin Kramer well, had Chuck to say, Schumer, uh, I want to Chuck switch Schumer gears with you because of... go vote. <laughs> Chuck Schumer <laughs> and, and, wants and them they, to vote on Obviously, if they so, go on the record, uh, yeah. Yeah, if they go on the record, they're going to have a, have a big issue. Uh, I want to switch gears with you because of uh, the committee that you're on. Russia is, is withdrawing these 10,000 troops from the Ukrainian border. Vladimir Putin has got these discussions coming up with the U.S. Uh, in the new year. Putin says he's weighing his options if the West fails to meet his security demands. He wants NATO to deny Ukraine's membership. I want to get your thoughts on all of this because of another committee that you're on, in particular, you know, these upcoming talks with Vladimir Putin. Can we trust him? And do you think that he's actually going to back off of Ukraine? 
Well, uh, the leaders in Moscow are miscalculating. Uh, the Ukrainians want to look to the West for their leadership. They want a vigorous democracy in the Ukraine. They don't want to return to an 18th century vassal state under the thumb of Moscow. Uh, Congressman David Price and I just spent time on the telephone a few weeks ago with parliamentarians in the Ukraine talking about their vigorous democracy, their desire to have Western values. And that's not consistent with Putin trying to reassemble uh, the USSR. So the bottom line is the United States should stand with our friends uh, in Ukraine. And President Trump fortunately helped them build their defensive military capability, something that the Obama-Biden administration did not do. And so Ukraine today has a struggling, fledgling democracy they want to grow, and they have a much more capable military. Europe and the United States need to stand with uh, the Ukrainians and suggest to Mr. Putin that he withdraw all his troops, not a token 10,000. Do you, like me, do you wonder why anybody in the United States would want this government to become a socialist-style, top-down government? I just can't imagine how that could be a good scale. Why? I mean, parts of it sound good, like nobody will go hungry, the government will be in control, but the government will take care of everybody from top to bottom. Of course, they never talk about the only way that can ever happen is if the government owns and controls everything, which means corporation, the government itself, all of our foreign policy, everything about home ownership, banking, buying goods, everything you can buy, and all that kind of stuff. Immediately, if that should ever happen here, it'll be just like when it happens any other place on planet Earth. And socialist-style governments, they're around the nation. Not a single one works for the people. They always work, at least for a while, for the government and the extreme wealthy. Don't think that the... Uh, the billionaires and the multi-billionaires in the United States, are, their lives are not going to change. Why is that? Because the government needs these people to keep trucking, keep going, because they're the ones that are going to pay the big taxes, and the government's going to reach in and take more money from them than they can even fathom. But you know what? It doesn't matter really how much they take away from you. If you still, after they get through taxing you, if you still have a whole lot of money in the bank, it's a totally different perspective when you're somebody out scraping for a living, just trying to make it happen, and they start coming after you, wanting more and more and more money, more of what you make. And that's what Democrats are 100% about. Yeah, they want to make sure that we let them make all the choices and decisions for us because, of course, they can do a better job with our own resources than can we. At least that's what they tell us. So what are you going to think as we look ahead? Next Saturday, this Saturday coming up, is a new year, the beginning of 2022. What's our job market going to look like? I mean, right now, folks, it's still bleak. I don't care what the Biden folks tell us. They are making all these new jobs. They're not new jobs. They're simply recycled jobs that were in effect before those 2020 and 2021 lockdowns were in place and people didn't come back to work when the markets opened back up. And the jobs that 
the Biden administration have been touting or simply when some of those people do come back to work, they're counting those as new jobs when they're not new jobs. So what's employment going to look like in the upcoming year? Got an expert dive with some analysis for you right after this at TNN Live. Cars today are computers on wheels. That's it. Uh, The fancy new tech makes our life easier in the car. But when something breaks, can you afford to fix the touchscreen display or the sensor, which can cost thousands of dollars? Most likely, no. That's why I have CarShield, and it takes away the worry and the panic of the expensive repair that you know is coming. CarShield, their protection plans can save you thousands for covered repairs, including everything from an engine, transmission, GPS, electronics, and more. You can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work, and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary roadside assistance and a rental car. It's inevitable something's going to break. It happens to everybody, including me. So get coverage from America's number one auto protection company like I did and find out why CarShield cars go farther. Rates are as low as $99 a month, so visit carshield.com. Use the promo code iHeart to save 10%. That's carshield.com, promo code iHeart. Deductible may apply. Today on Hey Culligan, softer equals better. Here's a tweet from Ed Itchy in Idaho. Hey Culligan, my laundry is so scratchy, I just cut myself on a cable knit sweater. Any suggestions? Hashtag send help. Hey Ed Itchy in Idaho, yes, the Culligan high efficiency water softener will make that thing so soft, it'll go from cable knit to cable knot. Itchy. Hashtag soft laundry. Hashtag already on the way. Get started for as little as $10 a month for six months at participating Culligan dealers. If you think we're just four wheels in a grill, think again. The Jeep Grand Cherokee redefines freedom. But what really makes Jeep? It's finding the perfect balance between luxury and adventure without ever compromising. It's driving across the country to see your family, to make new memories. So, what makes Jeep? You do. Jeep. There's only one. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Married to the truth, divorced from the lies, fighting for the future. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. And again, Dan Newman. We have got to get this country back to work. We have got to make it happen. It's not happening the way that it needs to happen. And we all know that. And the Biden administration knows that it will. So why aren't they doing anything? What's employment going to look like in the coming year? Well, we turn to employment platform CareerBuilder, and they're gearing up. This is good news, I think. They're gearing up for an influx of traffic at the start of the year after seeing a major slump in users this past January, and the company's CEO shared her predictions for how the job market's going to operate throughout the year. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's just take a listen to what she had to say. In analyzing their data, CareerBuilder saw a 43% jump in new users in January 2021 from the month before, that with a 20% increase in resume uploads and a 5.4% uptick in jobs that were applied for. While an annual boost from New Year's resolutions is expected, the great resignation followed in 2021, and it might not be over, they say. 
Looking forward through 2022, Career Builder CEO Sue Arthur sees trends that can be expected, like workers stay in control. We're entering 2022 with workers staying in control, taking charge in new roles with companies that have added benefits, added flexibility, and increased wages. And they're expecting we'll have all year long explosive growth in job postings. A cumulative mix of increased supply chain demand, which we've got, and that's not going to change. That reminds me, I need to chat with you about something I saw early this morning about supply chain issues. Also, a rise in resignations in companies that are continuing to recover from the pandemic. That's all going to result in thousands of open jobs and an explosive growth in online job postings, she predicts. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. Those are all going to take a front seat this coming year. They're going to be a prime focus for job applicants and job applications. Um, It's just going to happen. Diversity is the new talking point. According to her, she's predicting a year of hope for recent grads. The career builder chief told Fox News that labor shortages will continue to steer the job market, making 2022 a year of hope for recent grads as they enter the job force with benefit packages and competitive wages that are much improved from past years. You hear horror stories every day. I do. From students that they follow the American dream. I mean, what's the way to get a great job and be in the marketplace and make a lot of money and have a lot of free time and all that? Well, you go to four years of college, and to do that, in many cases, you got to borrow, get those student loans and borrow a bunch of money, and then you get a degree and you majored in psychology, general studies, anything but one of the, you know, the simple worker bee, kind of blue-collar things, and they can't find jobs. The best job they can find is being a barista at Starbucks when they get out of school. I mean, that's not just happening occasionally. For years now, it's been happening in mass. And these young people are getting very discouraged and disgusted with the process that allows that to happen. And of course, we all have the tendency when we're looking at problems in our lives, what do we look at first? To what do we give the most attention? It's the biggest biggest gorilla in the room at the time. And for these young people, that would be student loan debt. And I'm not talking about, you know, five or $10,000, folks. If you go to a good school today, and I'm not talking about a state college, I'm talking about one of the private colleges where you go there to get a degree and In the past, what that has meant is it opens all kinds of doors for you to get the great jobs with the high salaries and great benefits. That's not the case anymore. But to get to that point, you got to borrow a bunch of money, and I'm talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars of student debt some of these these, uh, graduates are facing. And, of course, their appeal is to the federal government. They're saying, it's not my fault. I can't get a job. Y'all haven't created the numbers of jobs that we need to handle all of the people like me that are coming out of college. 
Well, guess what? Nobody made you go borrow that money. You made a decision. And the fact that you want the government, which is the American taxpayers, to bail you out for a poor choice that you made, that doesn't even make sense. And yet Joe Biden wants to do it. Democrats want to do it. They want to pay it all off. Elizabeth Warren, as a matter of fact, she ran that being her big thing in her presidential campaign. Oh, we're going to pay off all the student debt. I mean, that sounds like, you know, a good idea. Nobody wants to be in debt, and you don't want young people to be shackled. But you know what? Looking back over my shoulder, I, I went to college on a full scholarship, um, but both of our daughters had to borrow some money, and we made sure it was paid back. But we paid it back. Neither one of our daughters, our son either, had to go to college, had to go to the prestigious university to get a prestigious degree, thinking that that would be the golden ticket for them to never have to work hard again. They could just go work and spout epithets to people around them, and what they would say would be so um, so way out there that everybody would look at them with awe and they'd never have to work really hard ever again. They would just talk to people and share their wisdom and bam, they're instantly at the top of the heap. Reality sets in, folks. I mean, we actually live in a world today where you can go to a community college, get a two-year associate degree in a blue-collar field like welding, and you can come out and almost handpick the state in which you want to live, the industry in which you want to work, and start with a sixty to $85,000 a year job. That's not a bad job, folks. And it's a very specialized career. Not anybody, not just anybody can do it. It takes an education. But we need to change our thought process in secondary education in the nation. We need to get away from just getting these prestigious degrees and thinking, wow, I'm set for life. My only daughter-in-law have one son, his wife. She now has two associate's degrees, two bachelor's of arts degrees, and Saturday before last... We went to her graduation where she got her master's in business degree. So she's got five degrees now. And I don't want to diminish her or what she's doing in any way, but she's working in a bank and has been for years. You got to pick and choose and get something that fits you in every way. What we've been doing for generations is we've been forcing people into a way of thinking that we think, the generation before them, we think would be the best place for them to go, our kids, our grandkids. Instead of encouraging them to find the point where they are the best and where they have the best future ahead of them, if they'll jump in and get on that. And it may, folks, it may be a blue-collar job, and it's not, 
It's not as pretty. It's not as prestigious to say, hey, I'm a welder on a, on a pipeline, as it is to say, you know, I've got a doctorate. I'm a PhD in uh, counseling, and I'm not diminishing that in any way. But I'm talking about the dollars and cents now and the feasibility of getting a secondary education and needing to look at what comes out of that on the back end. We need to start backing into these things. Start at what it's going to look like down the road and then work backwards with our thinking and picking where we want to go, but realistically examining the cost and the effort and the resources that will be necessary to get us there if we can get there and then rethink it. I'm not trying to discourage anybody from going to college. Not at all. I believe strongly in university and the education one gets. But I'm thinking about what happens after college in your life. Just getting a degree is not the golden ticket that many people think. I don't want to get away from this Build Back Better bill. As it every day it seems now, since it still has a breath of life, I doubt if the full version is ever going to pass, but they're going to keep pounding at the Democrats' will, and they're going to push it hard the, in whole, the entire 2022, up until and after the November elections, the midterm elections, when they're pretty confident they're going to lose their majority in the House and probably the Senate as well. And even though Biden will still be president, he's going to be a lame duck when he doesn't have any say-so in legislation. So looking that way, just suppose that Build Back Better is any part of it is going to pass. We need to begin to really look deep into the sections. And one I thought we'd chat about just for a second is the IRS agents that are included in this bill. I'm not, I'm not talking about you know a couple of hundred new IRS agents. 87,000 new IRS agents are included funding for that in the Build Back Better bill. Listen to this explanation, give you the details of what that really means. Let me tell you how this is going to work. We're going to be in a situation where once your your checking account reaches a threshold of $10,000 worth of activity, then all of your information is going to start going to the IRS. To put that in perspective, the average family's checking account activity is about $61,000. So that's virtually everybody. So it's going to go to the IRS. They're going to hire 87,000 new agents. Part of those agents are going to be looking at that information, uh, again, at a cost of $80 billion. At that point, if they see something that they don't like, they're going to start sending you a threatening letter. This is happening now if you run afoul of the IRS. The problem is you get on the phone, you try and call them. They'll answer about 40% of the time. If you are fortunate enough where they answer the phone, it's not uncommon at all to be put on hold for an extended period of time. They actually have a thing after about 45 minutes. They have what they call a courtesy disconnect where they hang up on you because they're trying to preserve your time. I was visiting with the accountants uh, a couple weeks ago. One of them, literally important case, trying to get through. They, the, the IRS won't see you in person. All of this is done by phone. 
important case, was on the phone for four hours. They tried to hang up on her, and she literally broke into tears. So these are very real things. The last thing that we need to be doing is giving the IRS 87,000 new agents, $80 billion. Uh, there's lots of things that we could be doing for the IRS to help them with their customer service to make them more effective. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of uh, stuff going on now that, that with the current resources that they have, that they could be much more effective in collecting. But again, this is certainly not the route to go. It wasn't too long ago that uh, uh, the IRS was, was uh, targeting conservatives. Uh, now we're seeing a situation through this Build Back uh, Broke bill, or whatever we call it, uh, that they're going to be targeting the vast majority of the American population. Thank you. That's kind of an oxymoron, even believing that the IRS could do or will do anything that's helpful to the American people. Customer service? Oh my gosh, it doesn't exist at the Internal Revenue Service. It's almost like anybody that goes to work there that has got the title of agent. It's like the same opinion I have about many people who get into law enforcement, specifically police work. It's somebody that wants the power that comes with carrying a gun. You make somebody and give them a title, IRS agent, aha, we're the boss. We can lord over anybody we want to. We can tell them what to do. We have the power of the purse. And you know what? They do. Personal experience in my life, I will tell you this. Dot I's, cross T's. You know, just like it's not fun to mess with Mother Nature, (laughs) I promise you, it is not nice to mess with or fiddle with the IRS. And they always win. They may not win everything. But they'll push and push and push, and I think their walking point, their talking point, whatever they're pushing for in every case, is not to give in and say the customer's right. Always try to get something out of everybody that they go after. And it's never, listen, it's never pleasant. So why don't we shift gears for the balance of this show? we got about 20 minutes left. As happens every weekend, Dr. Fauci was on the trail, and he was on the trail this weekend. On ABC's This Week, Fauci said he would be pleased with the vaccination requirement for all of those who traveled domestically by air. Guest host John Carl said this, There is no vaccine requirement for domestic air travel in the unit U.S., And when the president was asked, should there be one, he said that his team has said it's not necessary at this point. Do you agree with that, Dr. Fauci, that there shouldn't be a vaccine requirement for domestic air travel? Fauci responded, well, it depends on what you want to use it for. I mean, vaccine requirements for people coming in from other countries is to prevent newly infected people from getting into the country. A vaccine requirement for a person getting on the plane is just another level of getting people to have a mechanism that would spur them to get vaccinated. Namely, you can't get on a plane unless you're vaccinated, which is just another one of the ways of getting requirements, whatever that might be. So, I mean, anything that could get people more vaccinated 
would be welcome. And Fauci added, but with regard to the spread of virus in the country, I mean, I think, if you look at wearing a mask and the filtration on planes, things are reasonably safe. We want to make sure people keep their mask on. I think the idea of taking mask off in my mind is really not something we should even be considering. That's what we meant by it depends on what the goal of getting people vaccinated before they get on a domestic flight. So you want my interpretation of that? Here's what it is. This is going through Fauci's mind when John Carl asked that question. Do you agree with that, that there should be a vaccine requirement for domestic air travel? I can just see the wheels turning in Anthony Fauci's beady little brain. And it's like, hey, 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 here's another talking point that I can just beat the drum for now. Domestic air travel vaccination requirements. Domestic air travel. Oh, we've got the masked there. And, of course, a couple of CEOs of some major domestic airlines, they're already talking about, well, we're considering dropping the mask mandate. And Fauci's like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't give the people back any ability to discern what's best for themselves. Make them wear the mask. And by the way, John, now that you brought it up, Maybe that vaccine mandate for domestic travel is a pretty darn good idea. Anything, he said it twice, anything we can find to do that gets more people to get vaccinated. Meanwhile, Moderna, over 120 million doses sold to the United States with a billion more on the way Guess who owns a little piece of Moderna? Dr. Anthony Fauci. Yeah, we need to get everybody vaccinated. And you can see him rubbing his beady little hands together. Oh, that's a great idea, John. Anything we can do to get more people vaccinated, that's the way to go. There's a new theory out in the marketplace of ideas. It kind of intrigued me when I heard about it. And it's that Black Lives Matter and climate protest have been blamed by one police chief over in the UK for a rise in attacks on law enforcement over there. They're getting the same thing over there. Their law enforcement folks are getting beat up just like they are over here. So one chief constable has blamed these protests over climate change, as well as the Black Lives Matter movement, for a rise in these attacks on the cops in the UK. These accusations come after some forces in the UK considered publicly admitting that institutional racism exists within the police force. It's kind of like the same thing we've had happen over here during the last year. According to a report over the weekend by The Telegraph, about 80 police officers are assaulted in the UK every day, folks. Data showing that 7,357 recorded between the months of March and June. The report goes on to mention, however, this data only accounts for 31 out of the UK's 43 police forces and that the total number of cops assaulted over this period could be much higher. I think the opening up of the nighttime economy with drugs and alcohol prevalent within that environment 
is also an issue of why we've seen an increase. That's Police Chief Constable Nick Dean. The Cambridgeshire police head also laid blame on recent protests regarding BLM's movement, as well as to do with climate change for the increase. We've equally seen, as we can't hide from the media, in terms of protest activity and the number of protests we've seen in the capital and in other major cities, or indeed here in Cambridgeshire, has increased dramatically, he said. Since restrictions were first imposed, we've seen other protests around climate change. Black Lives Matter, all of which put us at the forefront of managing large events with the potential of confrontation. The nature of assault can really range from very serious to what we can class as lower-tier assaults, such as being pushed or kicked or what is very prevalent, being spat at, the police chief said. None of that, at any level, is acceptable within policing. The police force in Cambridgeshire reported the greatest percentage increase in assaults, increase of 121% this year. That's more than double, folks. While police forces in the UK are dealing with an increased number of assaults on their officers, just like we are here in the U.S., leaders are also focusing on making policing in the UK anti-racist. Here you go. As part of this effort, some of the leaders over there in the police force are considering declaring that their forces contain institutional racism in the hopes of boosting trust among black populations. I don't get that. How does trying to sell the fact that cops are racist, that policing is institutionally racist, how does that boost the trust among black populations? Exactly the opposite is the way it goes. Then they they really don't want to trust the cops. But they've got a plan. The plan needs to accept institutional racism if it's to be anti-racist, said Abimbola Johnson, the barista, barista, barrister. I'll get it straight. Doesn't work at Starbucks. He's a cop. <laughs> the barrister overseeing this proposed reform of UK policing. If the idea is to win the trust of black communities, Policing needs to start by acknowledging both the historical and current manifestations of racism in policing. National Police Chiefs Council Vice Chairman Sir David Thompson, meanwhile, claimed that there is a very clear there will be institutional racism issues in policing. There will also be, he said, systemic racism, structural racism, and also racial disparities that are not due to racism and policing because we police an unequal society, he said, adding that a public admission of this was receiving careful thought. Folks, that whole concept, I'll just tell you, it will never work. It won't work here. It won't work in the U.K., it won't work any place on earth. Nobody can take racism out of any other person. It can't be done. Racism is not something that you are genetically endowed with. Oh, my dad was a skinhead racist. 
wore the earring, shaved his head, had a Nazi tattoo, a swastika tattooed on his head. So I got to be one too. That's It's genetic. Passed it down to me and my older brother. It doesn't work that way. There, racism is real. There's no question racism is real. I've seen it my entire life. I've been around it my entire life. But folks, racists don't become racist without one thing that must happen in every case of it. The person that is going to adopt it has to do so voluntarily. There has to be a choice. At some point, they're willing to pick up that mantle of racism, whatever it's going to look like in their lives, and they've got to consciously say, I'm going down this street. Those people need to be eliminated from every institution, which especially those that deal face-to-face with people of different colors. And i got to be honest with you, that, that includes almost every type of institution, corporation there is. Unless you live in a lily-white world or you live in an all-black world with nobody of a different color involved in your nation at all or in your organization, and that's unrealistic. That's never going to happen. It's going to be there. And yes, we need to deal with the effects of it, but you don't use racism, which is what critical race theory is, You cannot effectively remove racism by using racism to try to get rid of it in somebody else or some institution. It's impossible. Truth, justice, and equality, not equity, equality are the only things that work together in tandem that can be effective at eliminating racism. But whoever holds racism in their heart for it to be removed, they have to make the decision. It's not something. You can't look at your son. You can't look at your daughter. You can't look at people that work with you or work for you. You can't just take an eraser and erase racism from their hearts and minds. It's got to come from inside. You know what? Going into this break, let me just say this. One way to get rid of it is to turn to God. Talk to God. God created every person, different races, ethnicities, places of origin. He's the one that can help us get rid of racism the best. Talk to Dan. Call 1-866-37-TRUTH. TNN Live. Beat Yourself Up Hotline. Is this the Beat Yourself Up Hotline? Yes, sir. If you'd like to beat yourself up, this is the place to do it. Okay, I'd like to beat myself up now, please. Go right ahead when you're comfortable. I am so stupid. I can't believe how stupid I am. What an idiot. I left all my holiday shipping until the last minute again. Now it's a huge hassle. Why do I have to do this to myself every year? When, oh, when will I learn? You beat yourself up very well, sir. Thanks. But maybe you should just log on to SmartShip.com. SmartShip.com? Right. Type in your zip code and SmartShip.com tells you the fastest, easiest, most affordable way to do your holiday shipping, even at the last minute. Wow. SmartShip.com. Mm-hmm. 
Why didn't I think of that? Well, Why do I have to have somebody else tell me what to do? Oh, sir. When, oh, when will I ever have an original thought? You're really good at this, sir. I've been told it's a gift. Smartship.com, the way smart shipping is done. Boy, he was some kind of musician, Dr. John. Must have been the right place at the wrong time. Can't get away today without telling you about something that was signaled over the weekend from that uh, January 6th committee. Guess what? They're going after Donald Trump. It intends to explore potential criminal wrongdoing by former President Trump, making a significant escalation for the investigation that could put pressure on the Biden administration. What are we talking about? Well, the panel has said it could refer Trump to the DOJ for prosecution if it finds some damning evidence in what would be seen as an open invitation to Attorney General Merrick Garland to be more aggressive toward the former press than he has been in his tenure so far. Liz Cheney from Wyoming. Liz Cheney, she's the vice chair. She gave the first indication at a hearing earlier this month. The panel is examining whether Trump committed a crime. Wow. Don't don't you feel warm and fuzzy? I mean, think about it. The January 6th committee. They're They're looking for all of us, making sure that we're all okay and protecting us from that evil Donald Trump. That's a wrap on Monday's show, folks. We're going to recap the year every day for the rest of this year. So don't you miss it. We'll see you tomorrow morning right back here at 9 o'clock Central, TNN Live. Have a good one. I try so hard to 